FMX Network Production. You cast me, complete me till death do us part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmx.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, speaking of dogs, my dog over there controlling the cameras, Travis Marks. Marks dog. Oh, no. <laughs> what's up? Are you okay? I, just trying to bring some hype to the hey, show. Wow. Up. My okay, God, what what's a up? Downer what's up, over there. What's up, dog? What's up, dog? What's up, dog? Uh, I think they were Bud Light commercials. What's up? Oh, yeah, those, were <laughs> those are still funny. Don't you feel like we're being messed with? I'll go to Charlotte right now and have a beer, but I will not go to a club to watch guys ride and be miserable. Where are you at, Phil, in the depression level? Like, if 10 is the most depressed? Uh, 12. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, man, it was a fucking low point. Say, Wawege, E.T.'s going home. Wawege, he's not waving the white flag. Wawege's glasses are hideous, but he's not. (laughs) Fuck me, man. A DQ is pretty bad. But what do we got to do to get him turned around? We gotta shut down every all-you-can-eat sushi place in California. <laughs> that's, first of all, do I have an option? I, mean, well, I came all the way up here. You did, yeah. Has he been overly aggressive in the past? One hundred percent. I just feel like McGrath in '96, just, just un- unstoppable. Stop. It's like every time I turn around, it's just fuck you. Do I look like I'm ready for vets? <laughs> I haven't done a damn thing. Those Aussie guys from the wrap-up show last week. I mean, I don't know, man. They do a good job. How is a regional lights arena cross champion, known not lover of motocross himself, didn't really like to ride it, how is this guy, the guy leading the future of the great amateur motocross organization, <laughs> I mean, how can he be in charge of the motocross youth? He can't even get his own kid to ride it. We're just hoping to have a good time. Elton John should write a song for him and then sing it. Too soon. That's why I think it sets up so nicely at the final race for Sexton, because not only is it his best track, it's also going to be like brutal conditions. It's going to be blazing hot. 107. It's going to be hard, dusty, really tricky. And I think Tomac has been better when he can use this new tire and he can be really aggressive with that new tire. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to be. Hey, where's Tater Tot? What's up, guys? This is the original and the best motocross podcast wrap up show. It's back. This is the Pulp Mix wrap up show, and I'm your host, Dark Side, brought to you tonight by Guts Racing. I have two big-time celebrity guests on the line with me. So first up, from Race Tech, brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires, Checkers. What's up, dude? Well, Jamie, might be a little later than you expected, but at least the Checkers came out to do this podcast. Yeah, you know, you've had a very, very tight schedule lately on Wednesday nights, but I was like, hey, look, man, there's not that many of these left. I need you. And you said, okay, I got you. 
Yeah, mini dad life is super busy, and if I'm not mini dad, and then I'm rocketing my dirt bike to the moon, so absolutely, it keeps me pretty busy. That's pretty busy stuff. I get it. And Wes is a very. Ooh, I, already, I just gave it away. Whew. Next ah. up, next up, he's from Verb Moto. It's not Troy Dog, and he's brought to you by Seal Savers, my buddy Wes Williams. What's up, Wes? Seal Savers, I want to appreciate you, and just want to say I'm way bigger and better than Troy Dog CEO. Who needs him? I'm here in his place. Let's go. Uh, and I might not have been doing air wheelies tonight or blowing out berms, but I just blew, I legitimately just blew up 1,000 balloons for a baby shower that I'm having for our little girl this weekend. That's what I just got done with. Wow. What do you think, Checkers? What do you got? What do you got on that? I thought he was going to say I just blew up the bathroom. Sounds no, like he's no. just blowing a lot of hot air right <laughs> now. Yeah. That's a lot of balloons, dude. She- no, you should say – you should see this balloon art suit. Apparently, it's going to fucking cover us. Uh, beep. It's going to cover my whole house. <laughs> Sounds like fun. It could be a good time. <laughs> well, all right, boys. So this week, we're talking about show 516 with the Orange Brigade team manager, Daniel Blair, in studio. And on the phone, it was Phil Nicoletti, Billy Grotto, Will Hahn, Carson Mumford, and even Paul Parabino's got involved. We have a lot of topics to cover, but first, uh, I want to know, well, first up, Wes, I think the last time you were in studio might have been like show 465 with Troy, if I'm not, or no, show 503 with Troy. Uh, been a little Dude, bit. I don't know how, I, I don't know how you remember the numbers, but yes, I was there with Troy Dog. I did research. I had to go look. <laughs> and checkers, it's been since 374. You were in with my boss, Whoa. Michael Lindsay. So my, uh, checkers, when are you going to get Steve to get you back in studio, man? When he had me on, um, I think I was on last week's show, um, he mentioned having me come out in studio again, yeah. which I would like to, but okay, I don't know he, if he wants to let me like through the secret gate codes and all that type of stuff to get in. So he, all, I'm not sure I have to get security checkers, clearance. Checkers and I need to uh, go in together. If, if Steve, you can make that happen, I would love to, uh, of course, I'd be on the show, not go to Vegas with Chris. I mean, who would want to do <laughs> yeah. that? So yeah, like, yeah, that I mean, could be I mean, boring. Imagine. I mean, Checkers and I have <laughs> never no had fun. a good time in Vegas together. Well, no, if, never. If that happens, I, I need to be just happen to be in Vegas that weekend. <laughs> That'd be a good show. I don't know if you want to. That's a good show. Yeah, I mean, I could just sit off to the side. I wouldn't be near as important as the two of you, but I would enjoy the pregame. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay, so like I said, show 516, I, I mentioned the guests. Uh, Wes, I'll go to you first. Did you have a favorite in studio or not in studio obviously but um call our guest of the night oh let's see i don't know will han's always a good time dude like i, I just love his approach and i love the the charisma him and steve have the whole uh going to starbucks and uh and steve <laughs> getting one getting another one that that's some good talk so yeah um, yeah and got got to give it to paul parabinos too for for raising the money for our uh for Team USA, so shout out to him too. Good, good, good job. Raise it for the number four. Raise it for USA.com. Go support the team. I think there's still spots open if you want to play in the tournament. It's a couple hundred bucks a piece, four man teams. And yeah, come out and play because I'm I'm on a team. I've never played in my life. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> oh my god. Hey, what are you laughing at, man? <laughs> yeah. We're gonna be we're gonna be me, Nick Still, Alex Gobert, and Michael Lindsay are gonna be the team to beat. Wow. Okay. Good. Good luck. Never played before. I'm impressed. Get uh, out there. I, I went and hit some balls the other night, and you know they most of them went straight. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't necessarily go straight in the right direction, but they went straight. Well, hey, it, at least you've swung a club before. I thought you were showing up without like any experience. So. Yeah, I I, I, I swung a club before. Let's see. Today is Wednesday, so it was Monday. Monday night, 
Cool. But, yeah. Dude, you're you're ready for PGA, dude. I, I mean, I think so. I got my. I watched a couple YouTube videos. I, I figured out how to lock my fingers. You know, I'm I'm ready. I mean, it's all one YouTube video is plenty. That's what it's there for, dude. Good <laughs> yeah, job. Exactly. Checkers. How about you? Favorite guest of the night. Oh, give me some Billy Grotto all day. Okay. He wants to. He <laughs> wants to win on the track, but most importantly, wants to have the biggest party in the pits. I'm all about it. I love it. All day long. Yeah. I love yeah. some Billy Grotto for that's, sure. That's right up your alley. I, I had a feel that's what I you're going to say. I love him saying, uh, Dustin Pipes ain't going nowhere. He's, he's staying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect match right there. I, I'm going to go with Phil. Just his attitude makes me laugh. You know, even like, even I actually have this in my notes to ask towards the end of the show, but let's do it now. Like for with Phil. The grumpier he is, the more joy he brings, I think, Checkers. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't get as much um, entertainment out of Phil this time, okay. actually. And All right. I'm usually a, a huge fan of grumpy Phil, and I don't know. Maybe it's too early in the show, and I just, I don't know. I, it didn't wasn't as exciting as normal for me. I think what, it set it off because right at the beginning, Danny was asking about, you know, why weren't you at club? He's like, I'm not going to go to club and watch a bunch of guys ride. <laughs> I don't know. This cracked me up, Wes. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to go through and watch a bunch of guys. Right? That's dumb. <laughs> so, I don't hey, it's it's, un, it's understandable. Yeah. And I, I have to admit, I didn't get to listen to Phil. I do have a 18 month old. His bedtime was right around Phil's time. My chick was not cool with me listening to Phil instead of putting the baby down. So that was that. So sorry, Phil. I do apologize, <laughs> but I I can't only imagine how grumpy he was. Yeah, it was good stuff. Go back and check it out if you guys haven't listened to the show, which doesn't make any sense to me yet. But if, you, if you're listening to this and haven't listened to the Pulp Show, check it out. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Not as good as this wrap-up, but it's pretty good. Well, let's get rolling with the first topic I want to touch on. Chase and Eli, the Chase and Eli Tomac. I almost said Eli Sexton. Chase and Eli Tomac discussion from Bud's Creek. Uh, DB made the comment, Wes, like, we're, are they met? They almost thought they were messing with us with this that race at Bud's Creek, and honestly, if somebody was to go in and make a Hollywood script of of a like this situation, that would have been it. Okay, Eli, you're gonna go out, you're gonna do really good, and Chase, you're gonna crash like 27 times. But in Moto Two, it's gonna switch, and nobody's gonna expect it. Hey, be, being a being a story producer and doing Moto Spy and all the stuff we do, you couldn't. I, I don't know when those storylines land in your lap. Sometimes you do feel like somehow you manifested that. Yeah, and I, maybe maybe us as motocross fans manifested that. We said, hey, let's <laughs> give us some drama, Chase. Like, let's keep this thing going down all the way to Paula. Let's keep it exciting because nobody wants to see the shit wrap up at Iron Man. Let's keep <laughs> it let, all the way to the last lap, Moto Two Paula. Knockdown drag out. Let's go. I'm here for it. Yeah, I totally was on board though. What Daniel said is like this. Just feels almost like they're messing with us. Uh, let's listen to a little <laughs> bit of this discussion they had though about the situation. I would think that Chase maybe comes away with this a little bit more positive than Eli because Eli got the break he was waiting for, and then that second moto. I don't know another variable. Maybe rode a little protective. It, it reminded me. Remember Washugal the last couple laps when he finally was like, "I've had enough." He let Chase go. It was like he couldn't find a way around. He made a, he made a run and uh, with a couple low yep. low lap times, and then yeah, and then he was like, "Got." He ran into yep. a wall and was yep. like, "You know what? This isn't worth it. We're going way too fast. I'll live to fight another day." Yeah. I almost felt that way too with Dunge. He got to him, and it seemed like he would have had to been pretty desperate to get him. And he almost went, "Man, I think I got the math on the day. You know what?" Let's no, go to Iron Man. I, I disagree. I mean, maybe really? you're right. I disagree because he has beaten Ryan Dungey in every single moto this year, right? Well, First of all, Buds is a start-dependent track, not easy yeah, to pass yeah. on. That is for sure. Second of all, I think he was worked. I think he was spent. It was really hot, and it was the end of the day. 
His, but maybe that paddle tire, like JT thought, wasn't great. Yeah. And I just because he had some good times and he was charging, and then dude, he just couldn't get by him. Yeah. And you know, as a racer, I mean, if you and JT were here, you guys could have. We would. We would. You, we would talk yeah, about. You, yeah, yeah. But you know, as a racer, if you don't get someone right away, you can fall into their pace. I just think he didn't have that extra little bit of energy to get by those guys. Checkers, I got to jump on uh, Steve's side on this one. I, I think Daniel's wrong. I, I don't believe for a second that Eli kind of just said, all right, I'm going to let this one go. He seemed pissed off at the end. And yeah, everything Steve said was kind of on point. Where do you stand on this? Um, honestly, I mean, I think it's okay to, to agree with both. I don't think Eli was happy about letting it go, but it was kind of one of those weird Alito Mac, as my buddy Diva likes to call him, rides where <laughs> yeah. he just rode around and got sixth or seventh. And when he's not comfortable with his bike, he's he's said it on the Pulp Show when he was on there before. Of when he's not comfortable, he's he's not going to go over that line. And I'm sure he was extremely frustrated, not necessarily maybe as much of himself for the result of, I'm guessing he missed the setting and setup. And yeah, I mean, he lost all that momentum that he gained in the first moto. And the one good thing that he has is if you look back, he can go out and get one of those seventh or eighths just riding around and then come back the next weekend and go one, one and absolutely dominate. Like he's not, he's a veteran and he's not really a momentum guy. Um, whereas chase on the other hand, like, yeah, he's going to leave happy for sure because he recovered in the first moto to salvage as best as he could. And at the end of the day, he, he lost two points or three points. You know, it's not, it's not a deal breaker for him and didn't knock him out of the championship. So of course he's going to leave happy because mm-hmm. he basically dodged a bullet. Okay. Uh, Wes, what do you think? Uh, you know, Steve brought up the paddle tire, which I think was a good point where maybe that even does kind of add to what checkers just said. It, it, the, the bike definitely wasn't working as well as some of the other bikes. You know, he couldn't be as aggressive. Eli could not be as aggressive as he probably wanted to be. So maybe he did back it down a little bit, but I don't think he just settled. Well, first off, I think uh, Chase, has, or, or Eli rather, has finally met his match in Chase. So I think that's good, and maybe it is getting to him a little bit. Um, and then what JT went on his eight-minute uh, ex-brand tear-offs rant on the, on the old paddle tire thing. So <laughs> coming down to Paula, this, that, and the other. So, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of one of those things, if it is on a paddle tire and, it, and, and, and the bike's not handling it right because of that, he's got he's, he doesn't have much time left to uh, – to go back to the, to the standard tire and start figuring things out. But I, I, I don't know. I tend to believe that uh, momentum might be on Chase's side at this point. Like, yeah, he 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 had this uh, gnarly front flips that first moto, but to recover and, and do as well as he did. Now, now he's not in the driver's seat, but he's only one point behind, right? Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I don't know. It's almost like the pressure's back on Tomac now. But uh, obviously he's not going to give it up easy. Well, Checkers, DB agrees, I think, with what Wes just said, because he made the comment, I think, later in the show that, you know, Eli needs to be concerned. And I somewhat agree. I don't know that you agree based off what you said a few minutes ago, but what do you, where do you think Eli's headspace is? Um, I think Eli's just fine. He's just Eli. Like, he's strong. Yeah. I think you need to be worried about Chase because Chase's head is growing and Chase's momentum's growing. I don't think Eli is at all phased by it. he's going to go do e-life no matter what and he's not going to change so he's going to be strong and he's going to be there every single moto it's not going to be easy it's really going to be up to chase to continue to show i mean the second half of the season i feel like he's shown he's slightly faster mm-hmm. um, when everything goes right so now it's don't beat yourself put yourself in good positions and if you make any minor slip up even a bad start might be enough for eli to, to beat him Cause it's not like Eli's way off. It's just, he's just a tick off. And 
Um, it's, it's not much. I think both tracks will honestly be pretty good for both of them too, other than the paddle tire thing, which has really been brought to light this year. And I think the commentators have done a really good job of pointing that out um, to us as well and talking about it, even though Eli kind of keeps downplaying it. But if you look at Eli's had success at Paula before, um, and a lot of his struggles at Paula, I think, are due to it being at the beginning of the schedule just as much as the racetrack itself. Because usually it's a, a grueling, gnarly, rough, nasty track, and he excels at those. And I mean, you can make a case for either of them at Ironman. So it's a really cool battle. I mean, we've definitely been blessed all year with amazing storylines and amazing racing every single week, all the way from January till now. That's for sure. Yeah, and speaking of amazing storylines. Wes, if you if Motospy was still going on, I feel like the the storyline of this weekend would be Stu being back on TV as an announcer. <laughs> what were your thoughts on Stu in the booth? Because I think everybody in poll in studio Monday night liked what he had to say. DB was really on board with the nicknames and the slang words that kind of come from Bubba's world. Uh, I think right. a lot of people were really surprised that Stu actually showed up. But uh, where yeah, you, I, I, I I I was one of them. I was definitely surprised. I was like, I gave it a less than 50% chance that he's actually going to show up. So I, it's, that alone is a great first step. Um, you know, honestly, like, I don't think he's as comfortable as he was at home with Bubba's World, but I do think he did pretty damn good. And, I mean, hell, what a treat for all of us to see Stu back in the booth, hearing his voice on TV. Like, it, it just seeing the guy back around, like, because, what, he disappeared for five or six years. Like, nobody even knew he still existed. And then, like, obviously he came out with the podcast this year, and now he's doing this. It's just great to have the guy back around. We do Tuesday on Verb every now and again, and uh, and I don't know. You can, you can never get enough Stu. Love or hate the guy, he's still James Stewart. He's freaking yep. awesome. And I don't I don't know that he was the best guy this year, like some people were claiming. But you know what? I, again, I think for his first time, like that's a lot of pressure. Like even doing a podcast is hard, much less being on live TV to what three hundred thousand people. So um, yeah, kudos to him. I think he did great. Yeah, Checkers, I, if I'm not mistaken, Stu said on his uh, Bubba's World show, rap, the rewind for this race, that like being back at the races kind of makes him, he wants to be back more. He misses it. like He's starting to miss it more and more, so we might see more of him, but what did you think of him in, in, studio, uh, in, uh, in the booth? I thought it was really, really good. I liked that it was Stu unplugged. And yeah. what I mean by that is he didn't seem to hold back at all. If he had an opinion on a rider or what they were thinking or what was going to happen. He didn't hesitate to spit it out there and he wasn't scared to be wrong. And then he also was just super casual. Like, yes, he was using like the nickname type stuff and the funny voices and all the stuff that he does on his podcast. So I was extremely excited to hear on, on his rewind that he was like, give me more. I want to do this again. Like I would love to to have him. And I think he'll get more polished because he definitely, I mean, it was his first time doing a whole broadcast. I mean, he definitely could clean up some of the, the grammar and like just polishedness and stuff like that. But I was actually okay with it because it felt like I was sitting in his living room watching the race with him, which was awesome. And you can never give me too much stew. That's for sure. Yeah. I think most people would agree with that. And sticking with the TV program a little bit, JT, his, his podium speech, podium interview etiquette has been a question <laughs> a little bit. Uh, like it doesn't bother me at all. I, I only noticed it, really noticed it one time where he kind of he backed away and the writer was like, uh, "Okay," but like it doesn't really bother me. Checkers, how, how do you feel about it? Well, I didn't really notice it or bother me too much until they've talked about it so much. So now, like I definitely notice it and pay attention to it all the time. And 
um, I don't know if it's getting more awkward for him because he's like he's paying attention to <laughs> it so much more, out. so it's making it worse or not. But it definitely is. Um, it's pretty hilarious how it's just become this this talking point, and it's such a minor thing that I'm guessing most people that don't know about the Pulp Show or the review pods or any of that, right, would even ever notice it. Like they just they watch it, and I mean half the time I don't pay attention much to the interviews anyways yep. because they don't give us crap to for information most of the time they're pretty terrible so most people probably don't even notice it but it is a it is a funny thing that i actually watch for now wes i'm gonna get your thoughts in a second but let's listen to first to a caller oliver let's see what he had to say it just seems like maybe you could try uh try concluding a little bit more than you have been it seems like you've been improving a little bit more by like going to weege immediately it just seems like saying like thank you or just doing something to like communicate to the writer better that you're done with him mm. okay yeah mm. and talking just about also another thing too i feel like to do it, it would be difficult for you sorry jt i just feel like it'd be difficult to like master it but also like trying to get like a system down where you step back two feet or whatever or just do the same thing over and over that way the writer doesn't bump into you or whatever uh, wes he does do the same thing he steps away he doesn't say anything <laughs> <laughs> over and over i, I would I was uh, I was laughing at the Oliver thing. I couldn't even under- I couldn't comprehend what he was like trying to tell JT for the longest time. And I think I finally understand. He's he's basically saying put a period on when you're done, like yes. in bit, or send it back up to the booth instead of just making it an awkward like hanging participle. Like I I, I guess I get it. Um, but I'm with Checkers. I don't I don't know that I've ever even noticed until all this shit was brought to light. And like I'm I'm super critical of most of that stuff. And I never once was like, oh wow, JT, that's super awkward. If anything, I love his questions and how great he's been on the broadcast. He's super analytical and he breaks it down really well. So I'm super into JT and his pit reporting. I, I, I think he was a great addition to the team. And uh, I don't know, mad props. Like, cool, man. Like, figure out how to put a period on your uh, on your podium exit and sending right. it back to the booth. But, like, I, you know, if the producer or director of the show isn't giving him that feedback themselves, then they must think he's doing a completely fine job. Like, why – why do why do we need to bust his balls for it? Right, and I like that JT was like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll work on that. <laughs> hey, honestly, I was I, w- I was waiting to see like I was like I was thinking like if I was in that position, what's my feedback right now or what's my response? And uh, I was actually impressed that JT just just said, "Cool, man, thanks." Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll work on that. He's pretty professional. Like when you look at everybody looks at him and thinks he looks like a complete dick. But he really oh, yeah, is. Totally. He's very, very professional <laughs> and really a nice guy. So, yeah, he it, it was pretty funny. But Steve had what I think was a genius idea, uh, the pun the pun game. Let's listen to a few of those. I think you should come in with, like, a, uh, a witty pun every time. Every time. Every time. You need to bring yeah, just be witty every, every single time. Just, just be yeah. like, after the Tomac looks Go through it. your soul, just be right. like, you know, say, well, Weege, E.T.'s going home. Well, Weege, he's oh. not waving the white flag. You know, things like like things like that. Or, you know, while Weege, his glasses are hideous, but he's not. Well, Weege, his company's fried, but he's not. Weege, I'll tell you what, he's tiny, but on the track, he's a Godzilla. <laughs> okay, wow. that one was well, my Good favorite. job, Michael. Oh. And you, you keep that up, you won't be homeless much longer. That's a pretty good one. Like, I, I think that JT should just, yeah, be like, you know. The problem is, is that everyone that listens to this show would be, like, laughing and loving it. And all the people that aren't would be like, that right. dude is the corniest dude I, I ever. Just, I just think it's a little, like, <laughs> funny little sign-off, right? 
Forgot there was another one. My bad. That the Godzilla one was the, that one cracks me <laughs> up. I think there was another one about sushi. Uh, maybe I heard it. I don't know if it was on Pulp or if it was on the review show, but it was. Uh, oh no, Randy did it on Twitter, and it was like um, Joe Shimoda. You know, call him sushi. And he's, like, he's really on a roll right now, Weech. <laughs> that was good. So uh, I texted JT and Mathis and said, "Like, we got to do this. We got to do a listener." pun contest and the winner gets some kind of prize and jt has to use that pun uh no response from either one of them thank you very much jt and steve <laughs> wes the puns what do you think man i, I think that's perfect it replaces I, uh, it replaces the I, word of the day why not have both i love the word of the day we can still have that for the people that are into it and then you can have the pun pun of the podium like i i'm all about it freaking hilarious maybe not everyone because i could definitely see uh, people being like, what the hell is this jokester all about? <laughs> but like, dude, if there was one one per week that you had to throw in there, yeah, I'm all about it. We'll see what Bondo thinks, but uh, <sighs> I, 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 I'm, a, I'm on board. Okay. Checkers, we on board? I mean, I would love to see it. I don't see JT going for it no. at all. He's not He's not as <laughs> flexible or pushing the rules as much as that you get out of each. And he's taking this thing extremely seriously, which I appreciate. Sure. But I'm all about it, like, it could become his thing though. That's the thing is it could be, it could be his thing, his signature. You know, every broadcaster kind of has their, their signature their go-to signature thing they're known for. And yeah, I agree. Don't do it every time, but you work one in a week yeah. and it'd be just fantastic. Yeah. If you did it every podium, it'd be way too much. Um, all right. I challenge you guys to come up with a pun of your own or more. If you want checkers, you get to go first. All right. I'm going to read it for first to okay. myself first so I don't mess it up. And let okay. me say, though, I, I did tell them it doesn't have to be I like a, what we would consider a podium guy. It could be anybody. And checkers, you, you asked if it could be a mechanic. So, yeah, I don't care if, as long as we get a pun in. Yeah, I ended up going with a podium, and it is, well, Weege, I'm not sure what's burning inside kitchen, but I know that Levi <laughs> is hungry for more. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Oh. Wes? How am I, how could I even top that? Like he, well, I, I don't know. I know you texted us earlier to tell us to come up with one, but I was blowing up balloons. Like I don't have time to top. Dude, that. I gave you two hours. Was, okay, okay, I know, dude. All right, all right, I was blowing up balloons, dude. All right, um, all right. Since you guys brought up a bathroom joke at the beginning of all this, me blowing up <laughs> balloons. All right, uh, Chase check Sexton uh, dropped out of that gate faster than uh, Darkside in the uh, in the toilet room. I don't, I don't know, dude. That's terrible, but that's what uh, I got. Yeah, that was, that wasn't very good, Wes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, that's, I'm not. I'm not a very punny guy. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was see. That was good. All right, I got a couple. So okay, right. let's hear them. Yeah, right. let, why, delete delete what I just said. Let's go. Oh no, we're gonna. I'm gonna put that in the beginning during the intro. <laughs> okay, so this could be for Max Bolin or Max Anstey. He got the max out of his bike today. Oh. Okay. <laughs> hey, Weege. Josh just made it look very <laughs> All right, so bad. Come on. That one's a good one. That was a master pool ride by Ty. <laughs> okay, this is Bryson. Bryson, Bryson Gardner. Why is this so? Why is this so dumbly off? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, hey, Weege. Gardner sure planted himself on the top step of the podium today. Bryson Gardner. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed. <laughs> well, I had the time to open up uh, the results and kind of look through some names and think about it. I gave myself more time than I gave you guys. Yeah, I was trackside well, meeting, but hey, I was Hey, pretty... you know what? You you had some short and sweet ones, but, I mean, checkers, the whole play there, I, the Levi kitchen, that was good. 
I was good. Yeah, Checkers I, wins. He wins the prize. Checker, checker. Okay, yeah, you win the prize. Checkers, you get a complete reval from Race Tech. <laughs> That'd be sweet because I do pay for my suspension. <laughs> oh, right on, man! I didn't even have to do that. I know you're lucky. So if you want to give me one of those, that'd be sweet. <laughs> All right. Hey, I want to tell you guys talking about suspension. I want to talk about tell you about Seal Savers. For 22 years, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the first and the original fork seal protection that protects your forks from dirt, dust, rocks, sand, and mud. Seal Savers will always continue to innovate and improve, which is what led to the development of the easy-to-install Zip-On Seal Savers. Not only do they have a full line of products for your motorcycle, Seal Savers has the essential products that are crucial for the performance of your side-by-side and your mountain bike. I need to get a set of those for my mountain bike. Seal Savers is the ultimate protection, so enter code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Wes, a couple new segments this week. We had the Skosh USA social social comments of the week, and then we had the Travis I wasn't listening Marks segment. I like new segments. I like I like Steve trying to do some new things. Not one hundred percent sure that either of these worked perfectly, but I enjoyed them. Um, with the social the Skosh USA social comments of the week, we had the Claimgate comment that uh, Brennan's lawsuit. Brennan had a lawsuit. Steve, better lawyer up. And then we had the one that I really enjoyed from, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was from, you went from uh, one of the good guys to a cocksucker. Major audio issues, issues, and then, of course, the guy's Instagram or Twitter posts had misspellings such as every one of these things, or it was supposed to be every, he used every one as in people, but not as in every one of these issues. Anyway, what did you think of the new segments? Do you like them? I'm with you, dude. I, I love anything new segments and especially when they're as funny as that the uh the tweet him reading the entire thing and then saying cocksucker uh was hilarious i mean i i honestly like i i had i had been drinking coffee i probably would have spit it up i thought that was freaking funny um someone to be that opinionated and that like hurt over over something is just crazy so um and then and then the dude telling steve the lawyer up is um i i don't know when it brings that kind of comedy, I'm all for it. So absolutely, yeah, keep, yeah. keep those going. And checkers, I think that's the absolute hundred percent idea of this segment is like the dumb shit that people post. For sure, I mean, I find it always super entertaining when you make fun of somebody's stupidity and they're taking it seriously <laughs> and they think they're serious. Like when they talk about the the pulp fantasy things when they were reading out the some of the complaint um emails and stuff for that i'm like are you guys serious so i find it super funny the one thing i'm a little bit afraid of is that people start picking up on the segment and they start purposely trying to be part of it oh yeah yeah. a little annoying and, and dumb but right now when it's just randomly pulling something out and like yeah you're an idiot type of stuff i love it i absolutely love embarrassing people that are absolute morons the other segment, and I don't know if either of you got to watch on YouTube, but you've heard, if not, Pookie was back in studio, and it's been a long time since Pookie's been uh, at the at the mic. She's got to a point where she kind of was just staying away from it because there were some really hateful listeners that were making some hateful comments, and Pookie stepped away, but she was back. I love having Pookie's um, input. I wish she was, had stayed on a little bit longer, but she was on for the Travis. I wasn't listening to Mark's segment. And the one of the questions that I want, the one question I want to touch on was Travis's biggest fuck up. And he couldn't think of any, I sent the text about him. You know, I, I remember him forgetting adapters and that caused some issues with the, they couldn't go live on YouTube for a while until he got the adapters in. 
Uh, but there was another one, and a listener sent me a DM, and he also sent a DM to Marks, and Marks told me he refused to open it because once I gave him a heads up of what it was. But do you guys remember the name David Steele? Either one of you? No. 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 Okay. David Steele was the one that got called for the, the win of the Yamaha oh, YZ125 yeah. <laughs> when Marks didn't update the the drawing. So he was called the winner, but he actually wasn't the winner. So David Steele sent me a message and goes, yeah, I remember one. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you were the guy. Well, he had to remind me, but he was the guy. And then, of course, Marks had to give his input. He's like, look, he didn't even buy tickets for that. He didn't really get effed over, but we did call his name accidentally. So... I say you got effed over, Wes. That was a, Travis fucked up. Yeah, but I don't know. If, if, if he didn't buy the tickets, if he didn't buy the tickets, I, nah, I'm, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm on Marx's side. Oh, man, we're just trying to bust Marx's balls here, Wes. No, hey, I can't. Marx is, Mark, me and Marx are like freaking brothers from another mother, dude. Like when mm. I get in there, me and him are tech, teching out tech shit, nerds. talking all kinds. Talking all about a bit of KBSs and this, that, and the other. Geek, like, geek me, squad. And him, me and him go way back, dude. Yeah, we're geek, geek squad together. I can't throw him under the bus. All like right, that. well, I will cut this out. I will not cut your pun segment out, but I'll cut all that out. <laughs> how about you? How about you, checkers? How how do we feel about Marks? And look, Marks doesn't matter. Marks makes the show, right? But if we can give him a little bit of hell, we got to. I mean, I'm all about giving people hell that I like. And actually, uh, I also am pretty fond of, of Marks from back in my MX versus ATV days. I knew him before he was a pulp guy. So, and I don't really have anything, but I thought that segment itself was a complete disaster. Although I do agree, it was really nice to have Pookie back, and I think I love what she brings to the show. And like the game show segments that they've done, and like when they did tits versus tits and stuff like that, mm-hmm. those are awesome. And they talked about those a little bit. That got me excited because I I do genuinely laugh a ton at those segments. I thought that this one was was pretty much a total flop. Yeah, partially because I mean we can pick on Marks a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. just I don't know. I, I think uh, it would have been better if they had just clipped some moments where he wasn't paying attention. You know, if you get a few of those where he wasn't listening, and, where Steve went to him, he was like, "What?" You know, that kind of thing. If they that might have been okay, but yeah, the questions didn't really even make sense to go with the topic of I wasn't listening. It just, yeah, didn't yeah, really work. I, uh, I think I thought when they were talking about what they were going to do that he was going to go back like to make notes throughout the show when he noticed he wasn't listening and asking uh, questions that yeah. guests had answered and said, Hey, what did Chase Sexton say about this? Or, um, what did Billy Grotto say about <laughs> this type of type of thing? And you <laughs> see what kind of crap marks pulls out, pulls out of his butt because he wasn't listening, something like that. That's quite a bit but, better uh, idea. That's why checkers yeah, makes uh, a big buck. <laughs> implement that idea and it works. Yeah. He, I mean, that's his job marketing, right? So very, very smart. Uh, you get a pay raise. <laughs> Checkers, Sweet. just got you got to pay raise. You get you get Mar- uh, Marx's bonus for the year. I'll take it. All right, I'll take it. I want to talk about Will Hahn. Uh, Wes, you said he was one of your favorites. The flip off game. We talked about that. I love the 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 description of pulling up to Starbucks like Marcellus Wallace in Pulp Fiction, and you know Butch is in the car. That was a great description. It definitely cracked me up. Every time he comes on and talks about the flip-off game, whether it's Will hiding in the uh, the place where they did the live show in the dark, waiting, like, I think it was a movie theater or something. He was, like, waiting in the back, waiting to get Steve in the dark. Like, this thing has gone so far above what you would think it would be that I want these updates, like, every couple weeks. I think it's fantastic. Wes. 
Yeah, and I mean, what 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 happens at the end of this? Is there ever any Nothing. of it? I want to know what, what do they? Does anybody ever win anything? Like they're keeping score, so there has to be something at the end of the rainbow, right? Just ego, or is it just oh, just ego, huh? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it's just... good, man. I I wonder how many people like uh, join the game too, and they just can't. I bet. I bet if you know, I, I would love to join that game, but I bet if I tried, they would just be like, "What are you doing, dude?" Yeah, like, it doesn't really count, stuff. but I think uh, Will's talked about like other like listeners coming up and just flipping them off. So people definitely try to join in, and I think Steve has gotten that too. But it's it yeah, it doesn't count. It's either, it's Will and Steve. It's not. This is not a team sport. It's just those two. It's one one on one checkers. Yeah, their stories are incredible. Yeah. And yeah, I think Will was like, Will actually talked about it on the show. He said just walking out to the track at Bud's Creek, like three or four people stopped him on the fence line and were yelling at him, <laughs> F Will Hahn and flipping him off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's talked Which about is that. awesome that he's such a good sport about it too. He's talked about that happening when uh Moseman's with him, you know. We know how Moseman is. Moseman's a Christian guy and really clean, straight laced. So I can just see people going up. Fuck you, Will Hahn. And Moses is like, uh, what is that about? That, that's, it's, it's such great stories. Will is a one of the best guests. The other topic that got brought up with him that was a big topic of the night, obviously, was the Barsha DQ. And Will's like, hey, man, I'm the trainer. You know, I don't even, not really even involved in this anymore, Wes. But this story, like, Will tried to be as politically correct as he could, but also somewhat see both sides. Yeah, I and I, I don't know. I they, this thing's been beat to death, so I don't even know what I can add here. But I, I one thing I I don't think anybody's brought up is like, you know, Barsha went all the way to the end of the corner uh, and hooked that rut where Frannis was going. But sure, he might have cut that corner a little bit, but nobody has mentioned like he would have been hauling ass over that hump into the. Like, he couldn't have just slammed on his brakes and taken a hard left in that first rut. Like if you're going that fast your natural reaction is just to like let off the brakes and hit the next thing that can freaking jerk you left. And that was that rut. Um, I, I think anybody's natural riding tendency would be to do what exactly what Marsha did. I don't think he like intended to do anything dirty or, or kill Dylan. So right. I, 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 this whole thing's been blown out of proportion. Like I said, beat to death, but I, that's one thing nobody's brought up. Well, I'm going to correct you. I, I don't you. really know what I don't, I don't know what else Marsha could have done. I'm going to correct you, which, I mean, obviously you don't listen to the Moto X pod show because my co-host TJ brought that up last night. That was his point. And because gotcha. I like to, I'm, he's my JT. I argued what he said, but maybe he was right. But then I also had a listener reach out to me on Instagram today, Justin Bruja, and he basically made the same point. He said, uh, uh, stated, it stated that while off the track, he accelerated. How can you accelerate off track if both wheels are in the air? He doesn't touch back down to the ground until he's actually back on the track. That was Justin's point. Kind of somewhat mirroring your point. Not a whole lot of options from Justin. Uh, checkers, the Barsha DQ thing, though, it was kind of the hot topic of the night. It seems to be this week's claim gate. It, you know, we got to have something every week. Uh, you know, it, let, let's listen to actually what they had to say first. Let's talk about the, the Barsha DQ. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, him and friend is going at it. We get the we get the we get the update afterwards that he has been uh, DQ'd for contact with Ferrandis, and we didn't really know what's going on, what happened. We have no video of this. Barsha puts out his GoPro of his uh, in the front number plate of, of the of the deal. Dylan writes an Instagram that's pretty harsh uh, as far as why does fans and sponsors keep supporting this guy when he keeps doing these things. Mm-hmm. I did hear Saturday night that he cut the track and took out Ferrandis, and I'm like, oh my god, like. 
I imagine it like I imagined it. Bad. I, I imagine it like Ferrandis knocked him down, right? However that <laughs> he went, just crossed and then he over picked his banners. bike up. <laughs> yeah, picked his bike up, crossed over banners, and cleaned the shit out of Ferrandis. Probably worth a DQ in my eyes. Mm-hmm. We can't 100% go off what Barsha's GoPro showed. I don't see that being cause for DQ. They came together. Dylan came over on him. He fought off. Yes, he went off the track uh, onto the inside of a marker, and he basically didn't even attempt to turn. Mm-hmm. He did go straight. But you'll notice in that video, you don't see Ferrandis after they come close before that turn mm-hmm. because Barsha's in front of him. Does he deserve a penalty? Yeah. Does he deserve a DQ? Come, I don't know. Again, we need to see. In my opinion, no. The incident itself did not deserve a DQ. It's been a lot this year for Barsha. So yeah. it's got to be accumulated over time, which is why they, they had to have done that because of like, all right, that's the final straw kind yeah, of thing. Right. When I heard it all too, I was like, oh boy, this was bad. And yeah. then when I saw the video, I was like, yeah, I've done that to probably 20 people in arena cross practice before. <laughs> His history has to be the reason why he was suspended. There's, there, or oh, sorry, DQ'd. DQ'd. I mean, DQ's That's a it. big thing. My first question was, like, how can you get DQ'd without video? Has he been overly aggressive in the past? 100%. And, and it's a shame um, that, it, you know, he finds himself in this predicament again. But the reality is that Supercross and Motocross is different. You can't punish him for Supercross right now. Checker, so instead of breaking down the video, let's talk about the, the audio we just heard, right? D... First of all, from what we could see, it the DQ does seem excessive. I agree. DB bring up the point: was it accumulative from Supercross? Are we are they taking his history into account? That's a good question, and we're going to talk about the rant in a minute. We'll get that into in more detail with that. But Will Will also says, "Hey, you can't punish him for Supercross right now in motocross." And I, I mean, is that in the rule book? I mean, with the AMA, I don't even know. Next year, it's kind of, you know, with super motocross, maybe that even changes. But where do you stand on this? Do you, the DQ was excessive, I think. Well, first of all, I want to give a lot of credit to Will for addressing the issue and not just being political about it. He really gave his opinion, I feel like. Um, and obviously, it's going to be biased, and I think he, he acknowledged that. So yep, I thought that was that was super good. I also want to point out the fact that I think had this been a Jason Anderson or a Vince Freezy, for instance, that Steve would be much different about how he was approaching it. Um, I think he was maybe a little bit, a little bit nice to Barsha, not necessarily in saying, I don't think you should be DQ'd for this. Although I think if with those guys, I think he'd be saying burn them at the stake type of deal. I really do. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm 50, 50 on it. And, the only the only sticking point I have is that he did jump off the track. And if you close somebody off to the inside of the track, you control the corner. You don't expect somebody to come inside of you when you close the inside of the corner off. And basically, in my opinion, you won that corner. Um, Barshish, in my opinion, I, in an ideal world, tucks in behind Dylan, waits to the next corner, and then blasts him off the track because he's upset because of the way that he was passed. Um, but that's not what happened. And I also will defend... Barsha on the he did accelerate when he landed off the track but there was I looked at a photo and it actually drops off a little bit there mm-hmm. so it's one of those things like you're not going to just roll off of a drop off you're going to accelerate off of it to not to not endo and only he knows his intention was to go plow for Andis or not and most likely it's Barsha and his front wheel happens to find the side of other guys quite often um, but I do and the at the end of the day I agree it probably shouldn't have been a DQ if it doesn't count against the Supercross stuff and 
I 100% agree with Steve on the rant thing. If you want to go that direction, because that's probably my most frustrating point of the whole deal is like, can we get an explanation of yeah. this is what we looked at and this is why we ruled this way. We're going to get and to that in a minute. I have that audio that that's coming up. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's probably the more frustrating part for me. I don't care either way, really, whether it was a DQ or not. If, if they ruled it a DQ because he went off the track, I can see it. I can understand it. Um, if it, they just DQ'd him because of the way he hit him, I am not, I'm not on board with that. And I also agree with Will's point of how do you do it without seeing video? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's... And the video that we have is it's a helmet cam, <laughs> not a helmet cam. It's a GoPro and a front number plate. So you don't, you don't see as much as what the rider sees on like a helmet cam situation because mm-hmm. it's further forward in that little bit of space, as well as being able to move the head, it definitely changes things. So without more video than what we have, I do think it's really difficult to disqualify him. And it doesn't sound like they even looked at the GoPro before disqualifying him. So, um, I don't know. It actually turned the tables on Ferrandis pretty terribly that he put out pretty in a pretty extreme statement. And then it was almost like you were expecting it to be like they were saying on the show, like, murder basically yeah and when it came out i was like oh it's not that bad had the just the video came out come out of what happened i think he'd be more 50 50 but i think because frandis over promised and then it under delivered it has more people mad at frandis because they thought they were going to see something extremely gnarly and it was just another barsha incident nothing nothing more than that right right yeah good point before we get to the race tech rant i want to bring up another topic that was discussed while will is on and Wes, that's the fact that Daniel Blair's new gig is team manager for Orange Brigade. Will made some good points. You know, he, he's really good at communicating, which I agree. Uh, he's intelligent and probably going to have some good guidance for these families. And selfish plug, go to Vital MX and you can see the, the interview I did with Daniel. We broke all that down. But Wes, I feel like just the thoughts on Daniel for Team, team Orange Brigade. What do you think about that? I think... Yeah, I, I agree with everything Will said personally. I I, I do too. I, it, just because uh, I, I don't really really know that I have much to add. He's okay. he's a good dude. He's articulate. He he's well spoken. Experience in the sport is experience in the sport. Him traveling around in his younger years with his dad or what he talked about. You 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 learn it all. You know how to race right. Uh, going pro, you learn so much in all of that. That experience. Is, is, is priceless and being able to relay that to amateur parents um, from his level. And, and it's not, he, he gets to see it every weekend too from the announcer side. There's so much that he's learned even by not racing that he's going to be able to parlay to these families. And uh, checkers will relay this. I mean, we see so many idiotic parents everywhere we go. Yeah. Like it's never ending. The, the ignorance is, is, is pretty gnarly sometimes in moto. So, you, you know, to have someone with, with Daniel's experience and knowledge to uh, m- maybe bring people back down to, to baseline is, is probably a great trait to have a KTM. I almost feel like you did read my article and you're just not saying it because that, uh, that was pretty close <laughs> to what we talked about. Checkers, I did like the one caller, though, the caller that called in. He said, how does a regional arena cross champion who doesn't like outdoors, how is he the future of amateur moto for KTM? That was pretty funny, and Daniel handled it well, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm, I had a conversation with Daniel um, post-Loretta's, and uh, I asked him a very similar question of, what the heck are you doing? You hate Loretta Lens. You hate amateur <laughs> motocross. And they actually talk about that on the show, I think, too. Yeah. Um, and you don't agree with it. But And his answer was similar to on the show of 
that's what's going to make him so good at the job is because he wants to make change and make an impact. And that's what got him excited about it, which is super cool. And that's why I really, I really like Daniel as a person um, and, and how he handles things in his job because he, he doesn't take things too seriously. He's very um, thorough and does a great job, but he also understands it's dirt bikes at the end of the day. And we're not solving cancer here. And um, I think bringing that attitude to an amateur program is much, much needed because there is way, there are way too many teenage children that think that they've already made it because Mm. they're riding for one of these amateur programs. And it's, to me, it's, you haven't made it. And many of them don't quote, make it in my opinion. And he knows that and he's seen it. And I know he wants to help correct that. And I mean, the fact of the matter is he has relationships. He's seen it. He's done it. He's really good with people and he puts his heart and soul into anything he does. So I think it'd be awesome. It did blow me away when I saw him and come up in the tower at Loretta's wearing a shirt. I was like, huh, new deal, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it was real fresh. So yeah, I talk about getting thrown into the wolves, just straight to Loretta's. And I also <laughs> like the fact that he admitted, like, I don't know that I didn't know the rule book. I'm putting all these situations that I didn't know about. Yep. He was learning as he went. He actually had a quote in that article I did that was, uh, I'm taking this job or I consider this job opportunity, a chance to, right a wrong that was done in my youth or something along those lines. Basically I did things wrong. Things weren't done quite right with my career. And I want to teach these kids the things that I learned that are wrong. So yeah, he's going to do great. Uh, I want to talk about guts racing, which was established in 1990 as a premier off highway seat manufacturing company offering high performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross and off-road competition. Guts racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career from Steve Lampson and McGrath in the nineties to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in two thousands and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. So check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. Let's listen to that Racetech rant real quick. Pulp 22 to save at Racetech. That leads me into my Racetech rant of the night. Pulp 22's code to save with Racetech. So it's Monday night as we record this. A factory rider got disqualified from a race. There's no video of it. We only have one rider side of it. We have no explanation on anything from the AMA and MX Sports. Was his past history taken into account? We don't know. Was there video of it, a third-party video? Yeah, someone that they've seen that, that we have That they've seen, that, that we don't know. Right. Did Barsha go into the trailer for a meeting and everything was going smoothly and then he cursed an official out and that's what got him disqualified? Like Phil. Right. We don't know. All I can get, and I've sent out texts to appropriate people today that would know, got no response. On any of those. On any of this. Like, we just can't. Sorry, man. Why did you disqualify him? (laughs) When you see the video from Barsha, that doesn't look like a disqualification. So can we please get some transparency on why that was a disqualification. My question is, is there a reset? Like, is he clean slate at Paula? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, but they're I don't, ruled I don't know by different works. people. AMA is involved in Supercross. There's that three panel of, of people, Mike Pelletier, oh. Tip Tooley, J-Bone. Yep. So we're just left here looking at Barsha's GoPro going, well, shit, that ain't a DQ. Right. That's a that's a fine. That's a, a points paying loss. That's something. But I don't get it. I mm-hmm. what, do, how do we? How do they have? Why don't they tell us? Why is it just? Oh yeah, he, he made contact with Ferrandis. Well, okay. Fuck me, man. A DQ is pretty bad. 
Checkers, I'm going to go to you first since you started talking about this. The biggest issue here, this, the point that Steve is making, right, is that, yeah, there's no information being given out by the governing body. And in almost any other professional sport, motor, or you know, auto racing, motorsport, MotoGP, NASCAR, whatever, before they make a decision, I feel like they're going to have all the facts put out there where the media, ha- you know, even just the, the public have the reasonings, whether it be from the rule book, they're going to have a checklist of reasons of things they saw. They're going to have multiple angles on what happened, multiple eyes on it. And then the media outlets are going to be like, uh, provide that information to the general public. And in our sport, it's just never that way. It's so unprofessional when it comes from the powers that be. It is absolutely ridiculous and is stupid to be a fan of a sport that's like this, because if this was any other real sport, there would not only be a press release from the organization that, hey, this rider was disqualified. He wouldn't just disappear out of the results with a disqualification (laughs) from the photo. And then you'd have a PR from the race team saying, hey, our rider was disqualified. This is our statement on that. And then you'd have a statement from Star Racing Yamaha and Dylan Ferrandez saying, or Star Racing Yamaha saying, hey, our rider was involved in this infraction. And this is what we brought to the governing body. And then you have one from Justin Barsha, and then you'd have one from Ferrandez. Yeah. And we have absolutely none of that. And then maybe if we're lucky, and we probably will be, because thank goodness we have Jason Thomas now, there'll <laughs> probably be a segment at the beginning of the TV show next weekend with an interview with the AMA guys to make or MX sports officials or whoever the heck it is, because we don't even know that as a sport, it seems like to explain what happened and what went into it and why the ruling was made. But it is absolutely ridiculous. And yes, I'm ranting as well. It was a good race tech rant. (laughs) Mic drop. Oh, yeah. So it was a good race tech rant. And just in general, yours was good. Steve's was good. Wes, you've been doing media stuff for a long time. Uh, It it is kind of embarrassing. Yeah. And I I don't know how. There's not even a point you could defend uh, MX Sports and AMA at this point after after Claim Gate, which – there's a lot of shit getting beat to hell right now, and it seems like there's a common denominator in all of it. And it's like, I gotta, at some point in time, they gotta step back and realize we might should institute some change here. So I, you know, I, it, it is ridiculous. And um, I don't know. It, it's like one of those things I get so frustrated with it that I, I don't. I don't even want to keep up with it because I feel like every time the layers just get peeled back and peeled back and peeled back, you just realize sometimes what a shit show it is. And it's like, I got enough of shit show in my own life. I don't, yeah. I don't need to like follow along with someone else's, but like y- y- you would think that it's happened. There's been enough shit showery this, uh, this <laughs> summer. They would try to get their act together on the little stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's, it's ridiculous, but as we say, never change AMA. They probably <laughs> will not. Um, okay. A couple more topics we're going to get into. Gillum Ferris. Steve asked this. Let's talk about Gilliam Ferris from Spain, the star rider, ninth overall. JT, we covered this a bit in the review pod. He's he's raced MX2 a little bit, never done much. He's, he's, he's done well in EMX, but hasn't won, I believe, in EMX. I don't know what it says, JT, that this guy shows up and gets ninth, qualifies uh, tenth, you know, sixth in a moto. Kind of want to explore that a little yeah, more. Same. <laughs> is is this good or bad for American Motocross, or is it good for EMX and bad for MX two? Like I'm kind of all over the place with thinking about this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that you can draw a conclusion uh, from one round. You know, I, he obviously rode incredibly well. 
Um, yeah. You know, the, the X factor is that he is on the best 250 that's probably ever graced a motocross track in America. He made a pretty big statement. You know, whether he's speaking for an entire continent or not, I, I don't know. But for himself to come in, you know, hasn't ridden that track, had ridden the bike five times, all the all those factors involved um that was a that was a really really nice performance from him can other teams grab emx guys and then get sixth in the moto is this what is this where we're at yeah pump the brakes a little bit pump the brakes there's way too many variables to go off of one race and be like yeah. yep that's the conclusion yep. i mean if he did is he doing more yeah you he's know? doing the rest of them yeah. okay so yeah. for me i would I would rather speak on it after he does the rest and then go, okay, what did the whole body of work look like? Because you go out and get six the first moto, my thought is, wow, maybe we all suck. And I don't think that's fair because that's one moto. You get a good start, you're hauling ass up front. Next thing you know, you have a narrative that isn't really solved yet. So after Paula, I think it'd be good to look and see how he does and then kind of get an idea of where he actually fits in the group. Uh, Wes, I I don't know that I care where he fits in. I think he got me 100 points on fantasy. That's really all I care about. But... um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I, and I agree with Daniel. I think we, we got to give it to him. That was a ballsy pick. It was a ballsy pick. Good job. Yeah, I think it was Paul P. that I saw as one of the experts that picked him. And I was like, you know what? Paul's pretty good at this. He usually knows these GP guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm following Paul's, Paul's leads. But I, I, I totally am on board with what Daniel said. You know, we need a couple more races. Let's see how, yeah. how Ironman and Paula go. I don't think this really is good or bad, Steve. But anyway, what are your thoughts? I kind of feel like it's one of those situations where, you know, your spark plug fouled or something on the gate that they're holding the two card up for you at Loretta Lynn. You're changing your spark plug as fast as you can. And somehow you get the damn whole shot. Okay. It's pretty much guaranteed yeah. if that happens to you, you're going to get the whole shot. Like the adrenaline of that happening. I, I don't know. It, it, it'd be easy to say with him only doing one round right now, perhaps that is exactly what happened to him. That, that, that adrenaline, that newness, the everything about this was like holy shit i gotta perform and that level of like anxiety almost like pushes you to do that good i i would have to say though with those moto finishes and and freaking a finishing six it'd be hard not to see him back it up but i guarantee at bud's creek he definitely had that extra boost of uh of adrenaline to help yeah definitely checkers any thoughts on on i don't know if it's gillum or gilliam i don't know how you say it but gillum ferris um i mean you have to definitely take into account what Wes said. You also take into account that it is a start dependent track, yeah. but he did qualify well as well in both sessions. He was up in the, around the 10th area, I believe. So definitely really good. It's, it's really cool because we haven't really heard of him, but the one thing I it drives me nuts, I mean, it's fine for bench racing, but some people take it so seriously, the <laughs> whole U S versus GP comparison, like can't people just realize that there's a lot of talented riders on both sides of the pond and you can't tell off of one race or one rider like what the real general consensus is of, of who's good and who's better and who's not like it, it drives me a little bit nuts because people are so biased and blind. It's, I guess the world you live in today, like you have to choose one or the other. You can't like both. And I just like good racing and no checkers. I have a lot of respect for all the riders. Were you at, we're the USA. We are the best checkers. I mean, I'm, I'm all on board. Come red, bud. <laughs> I will be red, white and blue and screaming over the fence. Oh, I know you will be. We're not doing well. I know you will be until then. Other than that, like, I I don't know. I can look at it as objectively as possible. And I try to be, but, and I, and I think people look ridiculous on either side, making the claims because I think riders could go either way and figure it out and fit right in and and be really strong. 
And so saying that this guy wasn't that good and came over here and did so well, so our series looks like crap. No, I don't. I don't. And you can say it does make their development series and stuff look great. I, I agree with that. Yes, their development series is, is really good. Yep. But let's let's not get too carried away by one race or like you know when you know Hurlings came over or the Saul comes over or or the USGP when Tomac won. Like let's not get too crazy ahead of ourselves. Right. Right. Let's talk about Carson Mumford for a minute. He, he jumped on the show for a little bit. Checkers uh, had a pretty good story with, by hitting the gate, chipping his tooth from a rock. Rough day. Rough day for, for Carson Mumford. And I also enjoyed his story about his dad. You know, like, he's like, man, sometimes my dad's nice. And I'm like, well, what's going on here? <laughs> That's just, like, Carson has some pretty good stories. But were there any highlights for you with Carson? Um, I just left the interview really liking him even more than I already did. Honestly, I thought... He just gave a lot of personality. He's real genuine. Yeah. Um, seems really appreciative of the opportunity where I think a lot of people would look at that and like, man, you're stuck on the Suzuki. And he's like, no, my bike's good. Like that's not an excuse. And I'm appreciative of where I'm at. And, um, obviously people make jokes and I, I don't know if it was a wrap up pod or the review pod or somewhere that Mathis tweeted about Larry Brooks, um, his response to Carson about, so I think he had a clutch issue was is why he hit the gate supposedly. Oh, uh, okay. And Larry said the clutch just goes. When you let it, when the rider lets it out, <laughs> um, Carson was trying to say that his clutch wasn't engaging or something, and that's why he hit the gate. And Larry basically said, "No, it was the rider letting the clutch out." Yeah, yeah um, right. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, like just hearing about how his dad's involved in this program and stuff was was pretty cool. And then yeah. they dropped in the the part about Mumphy Land maybe going up for sale. And I had heard that <laughs> Kiefer. I think Kiefer was actually trying to buy it. I don't know if he is. I know he talked about it though, so that was actually a, a, a thing. Oh, I thought they were just completely joking about Mm-mm. it, but um, then Kiefer would never leave the high desk. Exactly. Yeah, he he mentioned it. He, he talked about that place when I was out there for the for the week when he tried to kill me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wes, the other thing with Carson, there was a couple other. We we got the Uncle Jim and the Bigfoot costume story, and what are we going to do with A Ray, which he had a perfect response to. He said, uh, "We got to get rid of all the sushi, the all you can eat sushi bars that are restaurants." That was that's pretty witty on Carson's. Part. He was pretty funny. He's he's always been a freaking funny and cool kid, man. I've I've known him uh, quite a long time, all the way back to like fifties and sixties. So um, it's cool to hear him getting love on pulp and, and just talking about you know if if he feels like things could go right, you know he, he could be up there and it, you know despite being on Suzuki, which he said is fast as shit, that's awesome. Like I would love to see him uh, pull it out at Paula, maybe you know kind of hometown race maybe maybe we finally see him up where he belongs because I, I definitely think with the whole geico thing um I, I we could rant about this for hours but you know the, the there's a lot of times i think amateurs move up a little too quickly oh yeah uh, you know whether whether it's their their decision or a team's decision or whatever uh every, they always seem to be in a hurry and and i think carson's one of those guys i think could have benefited from another year in, in the amateur ranks um so I always root for the kid, and I, I really hope that he is able to put it together. And I, I, I think I, it was on here that Daniel was saying, hey, man, you know, it's not just one, one race has to click. There's a lot of things that have to add up. And I, I the, the, Daniel's words of wisdom to him at the end of that segment were, uh, like, really home for me. Yeah. Weege, I think Volan could have maxed his potential if he had stayed in amateurs one year longer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Team USA for just a minute. Steve Mathis said, you can't fool me twice. He also talked about the fact that Hurlings isn't going to be over at Redbud. Neither is Geyser. Things are breaking our way. 50-50 is kind of where he feels we're, we're at. 
JT does not agree with 50-50. The French, the Aussies, and the Dutch are going to be super good. There's a lot of chaos at Red Bud West. We know all these things. Paul P. says 100% ability to win, which, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's 100% chance we could win, sure. Um, a lot of got to get rid of the mistakes. That was really – that's one of Paul's new roles, right, with, with the Team USA is kind of helping out with stuff like that is being a second set of – or a, another set of eyes. But – your thoughts on the whole Team USA discussion, Wes? I mean, what is there to say? Why are you laughing, like, man? What, Come what, on! I I don't know what what just Christian Craig or Jay Coop. Like they're both badasses. I, I, you could you could go one way or the other. I think we're going to end up in the same spot. Two fifty class is freaking hard as shit at Red Bud. I think they're both fast, and I, I don't know. I, I I personally would have to give the nod to Jay Coop too. He's been on the two fifty. He's used to the power. He's used to the way it rides. Used to the scoop paddle tire, if that's what he's running. I don't freaking know. But, um, you know, it's, it's like one of those things. I, I, I personally think they made the right decision. Yeah, he did not run it uh, after the – I think he ran it in practice, maybe the first moto. This, <laughs> I, I, was ju- I was just being facetious. Yeah, I, know. Anyways, I, I, know. I was really just joking. <laughs> I, the reason I brought that up is another selfish plug. Justin Cooper interview up on Vital MX today that I did. Yep. Thank you very much. Boom. Boom. I'm knocking them Rushing. out. Like Checkers said, dude, I'm doing like three or four Rushing. a week. Uh, <laughs> checkers, though, yeah, the, just the thoughts on that discussion on Team USA. Or where are you at on the 50-50? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm right on the 50-50 or maybe below, but that's not because I, I agree with Paul. We could definitely go there and win. Sure. But I, I'm tired of having my heart broken and being let down, so I'm I'm under promise over deliver so that I can have a good old time <laughs> at Red Bud. If, if things go completely crazy and we don't even make the podium again, I don't want to be bummed. So I'm yeah. just going to go into it with low expectations and hopefully that they, they blow them away. They're definitely very capable of it. And man, just give me one good Justin Cooper start and keep the other two, four fifty guys off the ground and don't make it rain. And I think we'll do just fine. And that would be great. But I agree. I'm not under underestimating any of the competition and right. that event really kind of like the, the fairest thing that Wes has done about that event brings guys out that, they just put on these hero rides like Anstey had one, you know, and um, we've, we've seen guys come out and just have amazing rides that there's really not a lot of explanation for the rest of the year to, to show it, but they just step up at that event. So absolutely. Um, and and, but, and um, with how strong uh, really, and, and Tomac have been like, holy shit, this is definitely the strongest team that we've had in a while. I feel like. Yeah. yeah I, I, I can't argue with that. Best uh, two, four guys in, in recent memory that they've both been willing to willing and ready to go. And, um, I yeah. do want to give another shout and out to, I don't know if you have any audio pulled from Paul, but, um, really, really cool what he's putting together to, uh, raise it for USA and, and that side of things. And, and now we get to see Jamie go golfing. So that should be Oof. sweet. Yeah. There, there's, I mean, I don't know, Wes, if you're going to be at that event, if verbs going to be at that event filming, but I would definitely have a camera on our team because it's going to be the comic relief. Kick, kick. Can I ask you guys a question going back to the story producing angle? Uh, yep. So I, I have this friend that produces uh, the, the Jet, Jet Lawrence and Hunter Lawrence series. And, you know, that they're tasked <laughs> with uh, filming them that weekend. And, uh, you know, just storyline-wise, you know, this, this filmer and the, the, the whole production crew is kind of American. But they need the best storyline possible. So, like, I, it, should, should these Americans uh, become Aussie and hope that they win or should they be – come or still be American and just say, Hey, second's good enough for the, for the, for the flight plan storyline. Ooh, I don't know. All I know, I, I don't know how to answer that Wes, but what I do know is 
I might need to be playing golf right behind Team Australia because <laughs> I have I can't really tell you where my ball is going to go. So yeah. I can't really tell you that I might not have a club slip out of my hands. I've never played before. It wouldn't be my fault. So hey, you, you know I, what I'm going to tell this guy is is it, the storyline will be great if USA and Australia battles it out for the win. It's a great story no matter what. Maybe yeah. USA comes out on top though. Yeah, it, it it will be a great no matter what. It's going to be a great story. It's it's freaking yeah. MXDN. Uh Michelin bicycle tires. I've been using the shit out of some Michelin bicycle tires recently, and you know all about Michelin bicycle tires from this wrap up show in 18, 1891. Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill and as myself, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products, including the Wild Enduro, the E-Wild, the new BMX 20-inch Pilot Tire, or any of the road models, bike.michelin.com. A few more topics. Uh, Wes, you said Phil Nicoletti. You all usually like him. This wasn't like your favorite of his appearances. No, that that, that was checkers. Oh, that was I was checkers. putting my kid to bed, well, so I, I didn't get. I didn't bad. Checkers was the one that hated Phil Nicoletti. Let me regret. <laughs> uh, but no, he he had mentioned guys that he may be able to ride World Supercross for Club MX, and Courtney Lloyd actually texted me Tuesday. And said he actually is in. Now I don't know what changed overnight. Uh, maybe nothing, but the way she worded it was he is going to race. So that's cool. I'm I'm excited to see Phil do some World Supercross, Wes. I, I I'm still on the fence about how this whole thing goes. Oh, I am too. Uh, you know, it could be like I mean, it, Phil or not. Um, I mean, again, this could be a whole different discussion. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I I'm happy to see Phil healthy and going to get back out there and. and do something new. Um, you know, I, I, I'm curious to see how the, uh, class fills in between Ken Roxon and Phil. So, you know, it's either <laughs> going to be a complete Ken Roxon runaway, uh, series or, you know, I, I, I can't imagine Vince Breezy and Michael Essie and JB 10 filler. Yeah. I mean, JB 10 could be up there, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I, Phil brings uh, good entertainment anywhere he goes, and I, I we have someone in our crew that's really good at Phil impersonations, and he's not about us uh, impersonating him because he says it makes him look stupid. So I hope he reconsiders <laughs> that one day because us doing uh, Phil Burr voiceovers is like like we do them internally, and and it's like the freaking funniest thing ever. Um, and I just wish Phil would let those uh, out into the world. Uh, well, I do too now. Checkers, what about the story, the Roman <laughs> I'll, Candle story? I'll, I'll send you some, though. They're, they're oh, so please good. do. You'll laugh your ass off. Yes, please do. The Roman Candle story, good. Checkers, uh, classic, you know, <laughs> the guy was, was, uh, was a kid. It was really sweet uh, for two reasons. One, okay. because it's so Phil to blow a bunch of Roman Candles straight into a guy. Um, but also, it was actually probably more cool that the guy didn't seem like he that phil would even remember him and stuff and phil knew exactly not only who he was but what he was currently doing and that side of things which shows the complete other side of phil that um you know you kind of hear about being there but that's not really what they focus on on the show which is actually he does care about people has a good heart that side of things so it kind of covered both sides of phil but yeah it was it was pretty awesome i mean i was envisioning it in my head as they were telling it yeah it's funny that you that was your takeaway because my takeaway was like Phil's an adult and he's shooting this little kid with Roman candles 
great, great mentorship there. That's funny that you took like a completely opposite takeaway and yeah, saw both sides. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, we already talked about Billy Grott a little bit, so let's move on real quick to my call and my challenge of Steve and uh, Wes. Steve says he's not worried about me. Plenty of time to get ready. I think he's worried. He's got to be. Look at you training, bro. Training. Troll train, baby. I saw you do a thousand. I, I saw you do like a thousand feet a couple weeks ago. I can only imagine you're up to like twelve hundred feet now. Yeah, there's not that much elevation here where I live. That was literally, I found a steep hill by my son's house, and I rode it 12 times. So, Hey, well, I bet I bet you're riding it 14 times now is my point. We know oh, yeah. what you're doing. I'm doubling. Over there and, you're, and you're probably doing it in silence. You're probably turning off your Strava halfway through. Like, and, if you're, and if you're not, I'm telling you, that's the best tactic ever. I've done some bike, uh, uh, mountain bike races with my boys in the past. Yeah. And you and you and you trick them because you still put on your Strava, but you only do it like halfway, and they're like, "Oh yeah, what he's doing? Like yeah, whatever." But you show up and you'll be an animal. You've okay, got to okay. Halfway through, it's but, the best psychological advantage you could ever have. I actually took the opposite tactic. I think it was yesterday or the day before. One of my buddies texted me and said, "Hey, your top speed on Strava is pretty awesome." I left it home when I was driving home. <laughs> So, oh my god <laughs> yeah it was like 15 miles at you know 60 miles an hour or whatever i was crushing it <laughs> so, oops <laughs> damn he's hauling ass yeah yeah that was i was like oh crap yeah i forgot to turn my watch off my uh my polar thanks to steve mathis thanks to polar watch that, it's good stuff those who ride dirt bikes motorcycles atvs and utvs know motorsport is the best place for oem and aftermarket parts riding gear and accessories Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. Don't forget to go to PulpMix.com or PulpMixShow.com and use those links to Motorsport and all the sponsors of the wrap-up show are there. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Steel Savers, all available at Motorsport.com. How about during X-Brand tear-offs, the really the only thing I want to touch on is when JT, who we know really doesn't care about the 30-second the clock, and they just kept ripping tear-offs and finally just ended the segment while I was still talking, checkers. I actually That was one where I laughed out loud. I thought that was great, and JT Man. still didn't give a damn. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Um, I, I watched that part on YouTube, actually, too, so you could see Steve signaling to just keep ripping the tear-offs <laughs> yeah. with his hand. And um, Yeah, I think it was Daniel. Yeah, it was Daniel pointed out, like, that's what they do in TV. Like you have to just keep making your point with yep. other people talking in your ear. And JT didn't skip a didn't beat waver at all. <laughs> they like it was funny with the tear offs and stuff, and that they they were going. And then when they hit the end of the segment piece, yeah, I, I laughed very loudly. <laughs> yes, I was, I was dying. Same. Yeah, that was good. That was perfect. Uh, Daniel Blair, the discussion of him moving to South Carolina came up. He told a story, Wes, about. A guy DMing, DMing him and saying, I think you're my neighbor and now like his family's best friends. I thought there might be smoke coming out of Steve's ear during this. And he didn't really say shit, but that's no way Steve does that. In what way? Just he, he doesn't even like like people coming over to his house. He's not going to meet some guy that DM'd uh. him and be like, oh, we're best <laughs> friends now. <laughs> Hey, that, I'm the same way, dude. I've met all kinds of moto people around here. Like, they're like, "Oh, dude, you're the guy that does the bird moto," and I'm like, "Hell yeah, let's go ride mountain bikes or freaking uh, meet at the track or whatever." I'm, 
I'm all about that life. Steve's a weirdo. Yeah, he is weird. Like, yeah, checkers. I mean, that literally is what Moto, the background of Moto is like friends and family and meeting people and going to the track and hanging out. And he's just, not, nope, not happening. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, Steve probably would block that guy, find out where he lives so that he never gets by his house, find out <laughs> yeah. what time he Go goes a different to direction. Starbucks to make sure he never runs into him there yeah. and avoid it at all costs. It's yep. basically what, what Steve would do, the exact opposite. And what happened with Daniel, like that's how motocross works. You know, that's what's so awesome about it. Yeah. So I was yeah, thinking was, like uh, how, funny. how cool it is that this guy's probably just a regular guy, right? Like I was a few years ago, not that I'm not a regular guy, but, and he's like, Holy shit. Now Daniel Blair's one like my buddies sort of. My kid plays with, you know, that's that's like cool for this guy. And, you know, the the kids are friends and Maggie's you got her new friend in, in the new town. Yeah, it's fantastic. Makes them feel at home. I love hey, it. Hey, hey, checkers. You know what I just heard? Uh the guy that is now the most popular moto meme in motocross history tell us that he doesn't have a big head. That's what I just heard. <laughs> oh, I was like me. I was thinking like the Moto memes Instagram. I was like, did I get I on mean, that? And I don't know. No, about no, it? yeah, no, no. Moto that picture is you, great. You're, you're the most popular Moto actual Moto meme in motocross history. Yeah, so like, thanks a lot, yeah. Kiefer. Not Moto memes. Like he was trending on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I think it was. Somebody oh, said it was. Still. No, it still is. That's what I mean. Like, oh wow. Yeah, what I just heard is you, you're not a normal person anymore because you're the most popular Moto meme nah. to ever grace our sport. I'm still just a regular guy, Wes. I'm not big time like you and Checkers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just hey, big, I, not big time. Can, can I re, can I redo my pun? Can yes, I redo it? please. Okay. All right. <clears throat> this is after you know potentially Hayden Deegan gets on the podium his first moto. JT's up there, right? Okay. Man, you can't be Hayden on this dude. First race, and he was Deegan deep that moto and made it up here. Back to you, Weege. I'll take it. That was better than your other one. It's better. Okay. Checkers. I, I first and it's la- time. first and last name in there. Yeah, that's what you got them both in. I thought you were going to go like, this boy's in danger, but no, you went with the real name. Wow. Um, also, when I was talking to Daniel, speaking of Deegan, he was very excited to be on this specific pulp show, but they didn't release that Ryder D was for sure coming back and that Deegan was for sure racing beforehand oh, because yeah. he was very excited to have the we'll race him when it's time drop over and over again. He said, yeah. because he is just like, uh, I think all of us, it's time. And uh, I saw that today that Towers is also in. And so it's it's awesome. I'm so stoked. Can't yeah, wait. I can't wait either. I mean, yeah, it's going to be really a fun day for these amateurs going pro. And now Steve will give them some respect, maybe. Uh, don't forget about the contest at pulpmexshow.com. If you want to wear win a pair of purple rental handlebars, email number 125 is the winner. Don't know how many have entered, but... You know, maybe there's only 124 of them so far. So get your email in contest at pulpmexshow.com for a pair of purple Renthal handlebars. Last two topics. Steve told uh, Daniel, it's time to, to nix race day live. Don't do the extra stuff. I don't like this idea because I like Daniel Blair. I like more Daniel Blair. I like race day live with Daniel Blair. But I also sort of see where Steve's coming from, Wes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm waffling on this one because I selfishly I want more Daniel Blair. Where do you fall? I I, I can tell I, I'm right there with you. Daniel's probably my favorite uh host that we've had and I love his insight and moto and how well he talks, how articulate it is. I've already uh, blown him earlier, so um oh, gross. just keep that keep that train going. I'm a huge Daniel fan. Uh but I am with Steve. Like there becomes a point in time where like you know, if, if, if you're the man, you don't need to be doing every 
damn job possible. It's hard enough to to be really good for that, what, three whole hours that night on live TV. Like, save your brain and let someone else do the grunt work. Uh, he's definitely earned it. Okay. Checkers. Oh, I was ready to go nuts on Steve because I was like, you're just going to steal him from us. Like, you don't have to sit at home and watch Race Day Live because you're at the races every weekend. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, oh, a, that's a good Daniel's, point. That's Daniel's <laughs> awesome. But the one thing I want to point out is – with super motocross coming in and maybe one certain one network with everything is it our opportunity to get weege in the booth for supercross and oh. if that's the case then leave daniel at race day live and track side and you can bring weege into the booth full time and then i'm okay with it although i mm-hmm. actually as well i'm gonna toss up between weege and daniel like i don't care either way okay but if i get both of them i'm okay with it it's so funny you just said that because while you I were agree. talking or while wes was talking actually i was like all right i got a point here so steve said and he's somewhat right that NBC will not like the rotating co-host thing. They want set guys, and that's true. That's what NBC likes, you know, very uniform program with their guys. It's pretty likely that it's going back to Peacock. Both series will be on Peacock next year. Hasn't been announced, but I'm I'm almost I'm I'm going 99% positive that's what's going to happen. So maybe NBC says, "All right, well, Weege and Daniel are our guys for both series. We get them all year long." Thoughts? Hey, I'm all in. And okay. Then, and then can I mean, we get Stu for all of it too? As a, as a third guy? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I'm saying because, you know, you have the the um, expert, I guess, racer, which Daniel's not filled that role, right? He's basically doing what Weech does. Is, He's done them I'm both over the years. As far as Weech, yeah. but yeah. Um, actually, Daniel did a little bit of both because he would do mm-hmm. one on Race Day Live and then he would do, he'd be the mm-hmm. analyst on Race Day Live and then he would be the uh, commentator or whatever on on the broadcast. Yeah, night. yeah, and I think in Arena one. Cross he did one or the other. I don't remember which one he, he was did. the analyst, I believe, yeah. for that one. So, um, I mean, I guess you could put those two together. That would be that would be pretty sweet too. And then um, somebody else on the floor. Yep. Well, we got to bring my girl Kristen Beat back. I don't really care what anybody else says. KB's got to be back. You. You right, you right. <laughs> All right, moving on. Last topic of the night. Voicemails were back. It's been a long, long, long time. I don't like the voicemail segments for exactly what Steve was 100% right last week when he said that they they, they were fucking shit-talking me for so long that I, was, I wasn't getting mad, like he said. I wasn't upset, but it was annoying. I will agree to that. I will go ahead and admit it. So I didn't, and I'm probably asking for it now. But I was like, fuck the voicemails. But if they're not talking shit on me, bring them back. That's fine. <laughs> Wes, do you like the voicemails? I missed that segment, too, because they do that at the end, right? Yeah, so I, usually. I no yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where yeah, we usually I, get gringo, I, I, too. Yeah, I'm, I missed them this week because, uh, okay. yeah, at that point in time, it, it was it was late. Lady was calling. You know, I, it, Checkers, I don't know how you do this with four kids, but um, I have one with another one on the way, and I, I can barely live life. So, like, for me to be like, "Hey, babe, I'm going to listen to a podcast for four hours," like that's hard enough. Much like you know, five hours, five hours is out of the equation. I'm sorry. Okay, well, but do you do you miss the voicemails? I don't know. I, 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 I they change it up. I love what I love about Pulp is every time I listen because I'm not like an avid crazy guy that can listen every week. Just like I just said, uh, yeah. my life's hard enough with kids. So, like, when I do get to listen, I love even yeah, everything they did this week, those new segments. So, uh, okay. it's always good to rotate it. So, bring Fair them enough. back, take them away. Like, I'm, I'm all about that life. 
Checkers? I, uh, once upon a time, was was an advertiser at Race Tech um, for the Pulp Show. And Steve asked me about sponsoring segments, and he asked me about voicemails. And I told him that I would no longer want to sponsor his show if that's where we got put. Oh, wow. I think you've told <laughs> uh, me this story before now that you say that. But, yeah, that's that's aggressive. You do not like it. Because, honestly, like one of the cool things about Pulp is, is that listeners can call in and they can leave voicemails and that side of things. The problem is, is 95% of them are absolutely terrible. And they mm-hmm. are ridiculously bad. So um, people are idiots. Um and honestly, I think those are the ones that always call in and stuff. Not all the time, because like there's guys like Nash or Gringo's hilarious, and there's other ones that are good, but they're they're usually pretty pretty bad. So yeah, I'm not a I'm not a fan. And when they're at the end of the show, it's not uncommon for me just to not listen to them and, and tune out because I'm not I'm not into it. Well, I think it's settled. No more voicemail, Steve. They're out. Boom. Sorry. Cut them. <laughs> Cut them. All no, right. I just said we didn't want to sponsor him. He can play them at the end of the show all he wants. <laughs> I want to thank motorsport.com, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, and Seal Savers for sponsoring this wrap-up show. And I want to thank all the all the other sponsors, including Race Tech, X-Brand Goggles, Fly Racing, everybody else involved with Pulpamex. You can find out those links and discount codes on uh, pulpamexshow.com. They're all there. Support the sponsors, as I say every week, because without the sponsors, without you supporting them, it's really, really difficult for Steve to keep doing these shows that we love. So go support them. If you have any questions, comments, or thoughts on this wrap-up show, you can hit me up, darkside at pulpmx.com. Wes, anything that I missed that you want to talk about that I just forgot hey, about? I, I, th- I think the only thing I have to add to this is uh, I've, I've texted you personally to say this, but I, I want to say it out loud, man. Congrats on uh, everything you've accomplished, and I think it's really damn cool to see you grind it out like the rest of us in this industry and uh, and, and have have it lead to where it did for you. I'm a uh, I'm I'm really proud of you, man. It's it's I, I'm happy to call call myself your friend and, uh, and and be around and nerd out with you with GoPros or whatever it is at the races. And I don't know, man. Uh, huge huge pat on the back for freaking working your ass off and uh, and getting this new job, man. I know it's a, a dream come true, and I just wanted to say congrats, man. Well, thank you, Wes. That means a lot coming from you. You're uh, you're a guy that I looked up to, so thank you very much. Checkers, anything I missed? Um, well, now that Wes did all the positivity stuff, I'm going to do one more negative thing. Oh, okay. And I'm glad that, I'm glad that, uh, that the show went this way. But when the dude called in and asked for freaking handlebars. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hate when people call in and ask for crap. It drives me nuts. And then the fact that he couldn't answer a simple question about the show. Like, you're not even a big show fan and you're calling and asking for something. I'm out on that. Like, go home. Don't do it. It's embarrassing. Go it sucks. Home. It's annoying when you're sitting there listening to it. And I was literally pulling my hair out, yelling co-host names out. Like, yeah, at least give it like give it a chance of throw some guys out that are always in there. So at least you're not just saying, oh, I don't know. And you can put Steve in an awkward situation of he's a dick if he doesn't give you sure, something. But sure. It's annoying when you call in. So it drives me nuts. Just another piece. Now that I, I brought it back to a low level of, of positivity <laughs> and all the negativity in the world. I want to say thank you to all the Pulp MX army that continues to support race tech. You guys are awesome. And, uh, Thanks for always having me on the, the wrap-up show. It's always a good time. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I do want to respond to what you just said. I agree with not asking for product, but I will say that a lot of people do kind of freeze up in that moment. Like, it's high pressure the first time you call into a show like that. So maybe he just froze up. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to go down the road that he's not a true Pulp fan. He may have just froze up, but he should not have asked for the product. I, I will agree with you there. Um, yeah, racetech.com, Pulp, Pulp 22, right, to save? Absolutely. You can be like 
like Jamie or dark side, um, from vital and max, you can be like me. You could be like Wes, but he will never send me the stuff off his 125 because he doesn't ride it, but he has a, he has suspension <laughs> waiting for him as well. If he ever wants it. Well, it's good stuff. I, uh, you know, if you watch my Instagram, you'll see the videos I posted that it sort of looks like I was going a little bit fast, but it was funny that the guys that really know like JT and Cade, they sent me some messages about, Hey man, you got to work on your technique. I'm like, yeah, no shit. I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware. That was the best video I could get from what I have, but I'm, I'm getting there guys. But, uh, my, my, I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for you, buddy. I appreciate it. But my PDR performance race tech suspension works awesome. It works great for me. I do not ride the bike fast enough to use it to its full potential yet, <laughs> but we will get there guys. That's it for the wrap up show. We are out. Why would you want to talk, re-talk about the Pulp Show?